it's it's been teaching me this whole way just how to be more honest with myself and it's made me feel so much better about myself and more confident i mean i'm absolutely the most confident that i've ever been in my entire life now welcome to normalizing non-monogamy the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 169. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a wonderful episode with Alice and Sam. Yeah, we uh, they reached out to us, actually, um, because they are close friends with a former guest of ours, uh, uh, Clayton and Danielle, from way back in the day, back in the, in the 30s. Episodes 30-something, yeah. And they're... Uh, found each other on Instagram and have really created like an amazing community of friends and a network of amazing people around the world uh, using their Instagram accounts. And so this conversation is all about building friendships, building networks, and really just living a life that is open to experiences of all different kinds. Um, it's not just about Instagram by, by, by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. It's fantastic. We took a lot away from it. And they're fantastic people. So thank you, Alice and Sam, for coming on and being vulnerable with us. Yes, thank you so much. And before we jump into the show, we do have our couple of quick announcements. First up, we had our last virtual meet and greet last Saturday uh, in February, and that was amazing. We had over 40 people join, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, the next virtual meet and greet we will have is going to be on Thursday, March 18th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern. So more, we'll talk more about that in future episodes. But if you're wanting to go sign up, links are on our webpage, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, on the meet and greet tab. And these are $10 and they're open to anyone. And thank you to everybody who showed up. Uh, we had a great time. It was super fun. And we've got a ton of great feedback from all of you. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Showing up and making it a great uh, Saturday evening for us. Yeah. It'd be pretty boring if it was just us. In, in the, well, hey, what the hell? I meant like as far as uh, that, a meet that and greet. That hurts a little bit. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I meant it's a meet and greet. We can't meet and greet with people if it's just us two. We already know each other. Yeah, that's what you meant. <laughs> that is what I meant. So uh, a huge shout out and a, another huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Just a couple of quick dates and announcements because tonight, uh, March 20... No, that's, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Tonight, February 24th. Yes. 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 February 24th tonight is our monthly Q&A discussion group. We do two of them. We do one on the East Coast for at 9 p.m. Eastern and one for the West Coast at 9 p.m. Pacific. You can join either or both. Uh, we'd love to see you there. They're just a really great way to build community and connect with people. So there's still time to join uh, if you're looking to do that. The other thing is we have a women's group call coming up on March 3rd. Men's group call coming up on March 23rd. And all of the information to uh, how to join and more about what Patreon is and how you can help support the show, uh, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button. Yes. 
And our last quick announcement is that you may have noticed over the last few months, we have been doing another series that have come out on Fridays called Power of Witness. And this is a group coaching series that we did with Catherine of Expansive Connection. Uh, It launched on January 15th and there's six episodes. So go listen. We really want you to go check it out. We'd love to hear what you think. Uh, It's powerful. And Finn and I got so much out of this experience as well. And we weren't even one of the couples like on the hot seat, I guess, being coached. So it was amazing. You're going to just please go check it out. And if you want to join a future group of Catherine's Power of Witness that's not going to be on our podcast, you can get a discount and learn more by going to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and clicking on the show notes for this podcast episode. Yep. And you can also just get to all of this information in the show notes of your podcast player. Yep. We've got links down there directly to the show notes. And yeah, with that. Oh, also one quick thing just to mention, uh, links to all of the Instagram accounts and everything for Sam and Alice and other people they mentioned will be in the show notes. So if you're interested in learning more about them, seeing photos and of the amazing, beautiful places that they talk about, go check gonna, it out. you're going to go check that out and follow them on Instagram. And I think that's all we have to say. And we will see you all on the other side. And we hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's go. Well, welcome, Sam and Alice. We're excited to have you on the show. I know you reached out to us a little while ago, and we're excited to finally make it happen. So thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So we we know very little about you, and presumably most of the listeners know even less. Do you mind introducing yourselves uh, for everybody, and then we can maybe get into your story a little bit? Sure. I'm Alice. And I'm Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've been together almost four years. So um, living together, not married by choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Both been divorced twice. When we got together, we really decided that we would make our own rules, you know, for how we wanted our relationship to be. Um, Now that, that wasn't immediate at the very beginning, but some things were pretty clear to us that, um, they were going to be different. And because we decided that we really could write our own rules, that's really sort of changed everything for us as a relationship is concerned. So it's been a great relationship in that way. Like true partnership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you mind talking about like when you two came together and like what that conversation looked like and maybe what was the, the catalyst for wanting to come in and rewrite or throw out the rules, so to speak? I think I was more of the catalyst in that. Um, in my, I had been dating for, I think about four years or so, four or five years or so, um, by the time that I, that we met. And I had done some poly relationships and I had gotten involved with Sex Positive Los Angeles and just gone to a lot of discussions and some events and just exploring different relationship types and had come because through my failed monogamous relationships, I was like, okay, where is my piece in this? And, and what do I need to do differently? Um, and I had come to the understanding that strict monogamy was not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't exactly know what it looked like on our first date. Um, I told him, I was like, I can't do strict monogamy. I was like, I don't know what that looks like. It'll depend on who I'm with and how we build that. But you need to know that going forward, if anything's going to happen here, that that's that's where I stand with. 
yeah, she made it pretty clear that I would not be the uh, last person that she ever slept with, you know, in our relationship. So <laughs> that was an easy one to sort of like draw a line on. Like, okay, all right, I get that. So, and uh, Sam, had had you ever been exposed to anything like that in the past? Oh no, no, no. It was um, strict monogamy, vanilla, um, serial relationships all the way through to marriages, and um, yeah, it 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 was the furthest thing from my mind quite frankly. Yeah. So were so, you kind of surprised at, and at that point or did you, did you, were you able to roll with it? Oh yeah. No, it was like score. Oh my God. It was a, <laughs> like, I can't believe it. it. It it really actually was unbelievable at the time because uh, just what I had gone through in my relationships and, and I didn't really understand what was working, what wasn't working. I just knew that I wasn't happy. And I, I knew that I just felt like there was a deeper connection that could happen between people. And it just wasn't happening in my marriages or any other uh, relationships that I was in. So independent of non-monogamy, it was just not having like that deep connection with somebody. And I really didn't feel like I had it even through the marriages. So on our first date, um, it was a, well, which, what what do we want to call our first date? The first date didn't feel like a first date to me. (laughs) We didn't kiss, you know, and it wasn't sure if he was interested. Yeah. (laughs) So it was brunch, you know, but we talked about a lot of like failures and stuff. And so it was like, it was really just good, healthy conversation that we had, but it wasn't like that love connection though, that happened right away. So, uh, kind of backtracking in the story a little bit. Uh, so where we actually met was at a Christmas party and the, um, my friend who is hosting the Christmas party, a very good friend of mine. Um, he didn't introduce us directly, but it was by pure coincidence that, um, that Alice was even at the party. So, uh, just sort of looking at the, at our timelines and where we were in our lives. And the fact that we even met was pretty much like a million to one shot that we would have even ever met. So, you know, kind of going back to the story where we met this, uh, this particular Christmas party, um, it's my, my friend's been having it every year and I would just sort of attend and I'll let Alice, uh, explain her side of the, the story. How I ended up there. Mm-hmm. I, committed myself to a year of saying yes to as many things as I could. Um, I was working just kind of temp jobs in my field and I was spending a lot of time at one particular location, befriended um, a coworker, and this was like in May, invites me on a cruise at the end of October. Yes. And then that cruise turns out to be a lesbian cruise. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right, we're going for it. Um, and on that cruise, there was this, his friend was there and she thought, Oh, straight guy going to play wing woman. Wasn't the case. Cause he was married and they were celebrating a friend's birthday, but we befriended each other. I get invited to the Christmas party, which is five hours away from where I live. But I'm like, all right, yes, let's go. So I show up to this Christmas party in Northern California, where I know one person <laughs> who I've spent a handful of minutes with on this cruise. <laughs> and that's where we met. Mm-hmm. I love <laughs> it. We didn't hit it off right away, too. It wasn't like the love connection kind of thing. It was, um, I don't know, I mean, it was just friendly and all, but nothing really sort of sparked at that time. So, yeah. I love that mentality, though. Just, yeah, I was like that, that. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to say yes to things that I wouldn't normally say yes to, and and that it's led you, you know, into a four year relationship that has redefined what relationships look like for for both of you. Oh, for sure. The 
and the other thing too, is I think just where I was in my life, I had been about three years out of a divorce, uh, my second divorce. And I had really sort of found myself after my second divorce. Um, and looking back, I had a huge sort of personal renaissance and personal growth. Um, so I, if we had met at any other time, even in our lives, I don't think we would have uh, connected either. I don't think there would have been the same kind of interest. So, you know, it, it just really felt like all the odds in the world just sort of were um, like pulling for us to actually meet at this one particular point in time and, and you know, things to go with the way they went. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so you said it wasn't really like love at first sight, but like how did that relationship develop? You had a first date of brunch and where did it go from there? Well, I think the key thing is, is we talked about how we both get bored easily. And so at the end of brunch, I sent him a text and I was like, you don't bore me. So I was like, Oh, it's on. Right? <laughs> and so, um, cause, uh, I was living in Northern California and she was living in Southern California. And I happened to be in Southern California at the time, um, uh, visiting family. And so I was like, what are you doing this weekend? This next weekend. And, um, it's like, Oh, I'm free Saturday. So I stayed through the, the next week and we went out Saturday, had a good time. You know, she kind of, kind of led me to finally kiss her and I was being kind of shy. I was being the nice guy and everything, but then it just sort of, it, things just sort of accelerated from there. I mean, we went back to where I was staying and she's like, you want to come back to my place till Monday? You know, I was like, grab my backpack, toothbrush, I'm out. So we had a, uh, we had a 48 hour long second date. It was, uh, so, so the thing that was different though, what, what changed the, everything for me, the, the game changer for me was that with Alice, the first night we uh, spent together, um, she made me feel emotionally safe. And I had never felt that sexually before. I had always been heavily in my head about things. Um, even in my marriages, I never felt comfortable. I never felt like I was, um, I was in a sense there or present already. You know, it was, it was always like I had a performance or I had to do things the right way. And I never really understood that about myself. And on that first night that we spent together, um, I got a lot of stage fright. Um, so things slowed down and she simply said, she just goes, it's okay. We'll be okay. And immediately I relaxed and I, I just realized that, um, she was just being very empathetic to what was going on and, and sensitive to it. And for me, that just opened me up, right? I was like, wow, here's somebody who just treated me like I've never been treated before. And because of that, that just sort of opened up a whole different world for me, you know, a whole different view. And since that point, it, I've really taken a different look at even just relationships and opening myself up and being vulnerable and understanding really what that means. Because I, in hindsight, I, you know, with all my insecurities, I, I have a ton of things that were just holding me back, you know, and I thought I was always doing the right thing. But in, in now in hindsight, I was clear that I was, I was hiding a lot of fear, you know, and that just lowered, um, I guess the, the walls for me. And so that's what changed. And almost immediately I realized that, that Alice was somebody who I could trust emotionally. And, um, from there, I think that's where everything sort of turned now where, um, I realized, God, we can just sort of build things then on our own because I trust her. And now I could um, throw out ideas that I was always scared to talk about in my marriages, whether it was sexually or just other adventures we go on. So I, so I went from that point to saying, okay, so what next? Non-monogamy. Um, I'm feeling safe emotionally. Um, I had never been skinny dipping before, you know, and uh, 
just as background, um, being Asian, it's culturally, it's something that just doesn't happen a lot. It's what I call a white people sport, um, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, most people that I know who are are white are, have gone skinny dipping and most people, since high school. Yeah. People of color, eh, probably not. They probably haven't done skinny. So that's kind of funny. But anyway, so it started with that. And suddenly we took these baby steps through the relationship. So we ended up going to some local hot springs. And that was my first experience being naked in public. And then from there, we went to Black Speech in San Diego. And that was now a lot more public and a lot more people. And for me, that was huge too. That was huge steps. And, and Alice had already been through this before. So she was kind of being my guide. But we still hadn't done anything else beyond that, you know, outside of our relationship. And so then it started to come to that point of like, okay, what's our next step now? And Alice goes, I don't know. I've never done this before. Right. I haven't guided anybody. I don't know what to do. And like, and then I was kind of like, I didn't have a plan. Yeah, I know. And I was like, Oh shit. Um, okay. So what do we do? So we ended up starting a little bit of research. We looked into sex positive LA, uh, Los Angeles, which is a great organization. Uh, went to a couple events with them, but then, you know, how do we explain it? It's like, it just sort of skyrocketed. I got confident and I got really, really confident about where everything was going. And suddenly um, our next trip we booked is we're going to desire. Right. So no, we, we went, went to Ibiza first. Oh, that's right. I, I left out a huge part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the torture garden in Ibiza. That's right. So um, you can talk about that. I've been talking for a while. <laughs> Before desire, that's right. we ended up going, we were just, um, we were going to Ibiza and we took a detour through London and there's an event called the torture garden there. So we were just looking up alternative events in London and stumbled across it. And it's a huge latex and fetish event. Um, and so we decided to give that a try while we were there. And so that was, I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) So much has happened since then, I guess. I don't know. We do through London. We go to this event. Um, and BDSM isn't really, we like being around the environment. We're not heavily participators, but we love the openness and the The creativity and and just being around the culture of it. And seeing how free people are, you know, when you go to something like that and everybody is able to express themselves freely and openly, um, you really feel a different energy, you know, and that was really eye opening for us. We thought, wow, okay, now we're starting to connect the dots here of like, you know, being able to express yourself freely and, and openly and being able to be around other people who fully accept you, no matter what you, however you go, right. Whether you were in latex or whether we were in uh, other gear or even if we we're just naked, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, and that was also a big moment for us to a game changer, realizing that there's this whole other way of, and culture that we could get ourselves into. So then from London to Ibiza, yeah, we went to, we did London to Ibiza, as JLo says, yes. um, <laughs> and we were looking for nude beaches and we found a couple and we started taking some pictures. And then at that moment, we're like, God, we can't post this though on Instagram. You know, she's naked. Right. And well, I mean, you can, but I don't want like my sister to see everything. Oh, that's so, true. You know. Yeah. We didn't want to put on the personal account. It's like kids. Yeah. You know. Good point. So, so we ended up starting up, um, sort of our, our own private, like naughty Instagram account. You know, we were anonymous. We didn't show our faces, but it, um, but it started to be really fun because then we realized, Oh, we're going to go take some pictures of different places. And whether we were in our, um, uh, latex, uh, costumes or whether we were in, um, naked on the beach, uh, we're like, Oh, let's post this stuff. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And then we get back home 
And we ended up in, oh, in Lake Tahoe also as well. I don't know if you know, but there's a fantastic um, clothing optional beach in Lake Tahoe. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's marvelous. It's fantastic. fantastic. It's, oh, man. You get the vistas and the mountains. <laughs> and um, uh, for the, the nudist community, it's, it's pretty well known. Um, but um, we kind of stumbled onto it by accident, just by Googling like nude beaches in Tahoe. And there was one. I was like, oh, shit. All right. <laughs> we'll have to check that out. out. Yeah. 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 It's, it's amazing. I mean, summertime, probably. You want the water's go. cold. The water's kind of cold. <laughs> but, um, so I was just curious really yeah. quick, just to interrupt you. Yeah. How, like, how long into your relationship was the trip to Ibiza? Five months. Five months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of curious because, like, right, you said on date number one, Alice was like, it's not going to be straight monogamy for me. But it also sounds like it wasn't like, hey, it's not going to be straight monogamy the next night. It's an orgy. It, it sounds like you two really worked together to create the safety for each other to allow that to develop. In a, and it sounds like it was a slow, you know, it was a nude beach and then a, and then a fetish party and then more nude beaches. It wasn't like zero to 100. Yes, it, you're right. Absolutely. It was um, it was a progression, a pretty natural progression. But it's funny that I kind of fast forwarded to desire because in my mind, it, it was at the quick. end of summer. Um, so within seven months, seven months or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somewhere that summer was quite busy for us. Um, a lot of new experiences. And but before before you booked your trip to desire, had yeah. you had any experiences with other people, be it individually or together as a couple? Uh, when we were in Ibiza at the club one night, I did kiss another gentleman mm-hmm. um, with his consent. And so that was the only thing that had happened yeah. before Desire. And it was interesting, too, because uh, at first I was like all for it. I thought, okay, cool. You know, I'm I'm good with this. And then by the end of the night, I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And And then afterward, I was feeling really bad about it. It was a ton of anxiety kicked in. Um, afterward we had gone back to the hotel and, and we ended up taking like a two hour shower together, actually just to sort of talking, talking about like how we're going to do this. Cause if I'm feeling this way now, just about you kissing somebody, there's a lot, I, I still got a lot to get through, you know, and it was kind of a, it's kind of a good and bad moment at the same time. But right. I felt so much confidence though, that we could do it though, that yeah. we could do right. it together. Right. Um, so we sort of took that as a, uh, um, you know, as a positive step in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that you can talk about it and, and have those conversations, be vulnerable and say like, I'm feeling this way and then have a two hour conversation um, about it. Like that's really important because it sets that safe space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and two, like Alice had not had her, she hadn't gone through that test that you just went through, right? Like it was, you were the one who watched her kiss somebody else, not vice versa. So like, there's still that potential hanging out there that that could be an issue. Oh yeah. No, I had a lot, of, I had a lot, I think of growth <laughs> to, to go to. Yeah. She was certainly, you know, up here and I was still uh, several steps behind, but at the same time too, I mean, it's, it's been almost, it's been over three years now, but we really did understand too, though, you still can't go faster than the slowest person in the relationship. Yeah. That right? was kind of always our guideline is right. that we'll move at the pace of the slowest person. Right. Yeah. And I think just being conscious of that, wherever we were at, you know, somebody has got to take the first step, but we're still holding hands, right. Somebody else to help the other person across the next chasm. Um, and we did it together. You know, I think at first the thought was maybe we wouldn't, right. She'd be able to see whoever she wanted to. 
I would try to explore on my own. And we really didn't have a plan, you know, at the very beginning. But then as we went through a few more experiences, we realized this is going to be actually a lot better going together. You know, it's going to be more fun. I think it's going to be more rewarding. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so how does, how, how is desire? Yeah. We're dying to know. Okay. Um, it actually turned out great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. We had about four nights there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we met a couple from Canada, from Canada, uh, from Quebec and, um, they were super nice. They, they had been with some other people before and they had gone maybe every year to desire. And we did. And the funny thing is there was obviously it's desire. So there was other, a lot of other couples there and we just weren't really clicking with them. It felt intimidating being there your first time. And we came in on like midweek. So people had already been there and already formed their little groups that they're hanging out with. And Mm -hmm. so it felt intimidating in that sense. So our first day we kind of were like, we're just going to stay in the corner over here by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And plus Alice just like being naked. So that's, that was easy, right? She was just, you know, being naked around the pool and stuff like that and socializing that way. But we really, I think we're looking for more of just a little more solid connection, right? For people who kind of understood where we were at. And, um, and it was funny too, because we started talking to some other people and we really felt like we kind of got a cold shoulder You know, it was really weird. Um, and I don't, we don't really know why per se, but we just don't actually feel like we're lifestyle now in the sort of the traditional sense. Now we're much more into forming, I think, closer relationships with people. Mm-hmm. We want to hang around cool people and have great conversation and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And sex is never expected. And if it happens, it's a bonus. But we would much rather enjoy your friendship and your company versus, you know, just coming into a situation and being just coming, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. But just. And I guess with a lot of lifestyle, at least when we've been around things that are lifestyle heavy, um, whether it's a takeover or anything like that, people will come up and talk to you and they'll introduce themselves and they'll have like a quick little 30 second conversation with you. But it feels like if they don't want to fuck you, they don't want to continue to have a conversation with you. And for us, that's a turnoff of being in those kind of scenes. And so... I yeah. think we just find more connection in alternative situations versus like a, a very lifestyle heavy event. Yeah. yeah. Cause we really not great at, at dating, I guess you could say, right. We don't even, I mean, we are on Cassidy. We have a profile and um, we've met some, we haven't actually met anybody in person live mm-hmm. through Cassidy over mm-hmm. a year and a half or so being there. We've connected with some people we've talked about connecting, but it, I don't know. It just doesn't gain any momentum for us. Um, right. So that kind of takes us to a different path. You know, it took us on a different path. And, and when we had posted the pictures of Alice um, being in Ibiza, being naked, and also in Lake Tahoe, we posted a picture. Um, about three weeks later, we went into our Instagram account. And suddenly we had gone from about 100 followers to over 1,000 overnight. And we're just like, what the fuck just happened, right? <laughs> Holy shit. And then we realized like one of the larger Instagram sites had reposted her picture from Tahoe. Like, and it's a gorgeous picture. She's naked in the lake and, <clears throat> and they can see the mountains and the, 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 the typical white girl naked pose. Yeah. You know, the big, she's just, you know, she's waving at nobody. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and we're like, Oh, there's a whole community of people out yeah, here. Because then we started following other accounts and we realized there's, there's, it's not lifestyle. It's more, it was nudism, but that just resonated with us better, you know, because it was more of a, um, commonality about and, and fun really just being like naked in nature. 
And so there's all these other sites, uh, people taking pictures um, on top of mountains with their buns out, right? And we started talking with a few people and we started to realize after a little while and figure out like who are real couples versus people who are just reposting other pictures. And that led us to actually make making some of um, our now best friends that we ever had. It was fascinating to us um, that through Instagram, we have actually made um, some incredible friends. Um, we've, um, I mean, just a few accounts like uh, Fight Boring Marriages. We, we met them through Instagram. And I know they've been on uh, a podcast before, um, but the fact that um, we connected with them, we were chatting with them, and they said, hey, why don't you come on out and come out for a visit? Because we, we, we realized pretty quickly that you know they were uh, a legit and genuine couple, and we just sort of hit it off right away. And so we did. And we just took a chance, flew out, met them. And the first thing we did is we stopped at a, at a canyon near their house and took to a naked picture. picture. That's it. You know, <laughs> there was nothing, there was no, there was no sex implied. It was nothing like that. Yeah. It wasn't like a sexual, like it just, was more like just fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to this day, they're some of our yeah. dearest friends. Yeah. Some of our mm-hmm. dearest friends now. And so that sort of snowballed into us meeting mm, probably eight or nine other a couples to it a year yeah like we met like a dozen couples one year oh yeah in one year yeah in the in real life in real life yeah like even in italy we met up like even around the world other parts of the world we meet up with people Malta, even. yeah and so, this is uh, all through through instagram instagram yeah uh, in iceland, iceland actually iceland was the was the key so the reason why we connected with fight boring marriages was that uh we ended up going to iceland and a few years back, you know, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Wow Airlines was advertising really cheap flights, ninety nine yeah. round trip or whatever, you yep. know, twenty bucks yep. round trip. So we just we're booked, gonna go. We're just gonna go. It was still like the first day of spring or last day of winter or something. We just booked it. Um, but we had been looking through Instagram, and, and uh, Alice had found an account for the Icelandic naturist, and and had just sent him a note say, "Hey, we're going to come to Iceland. We'd love to find some hot springs, um, especially where we can be naked." And started a whole conversation. And by the end of the conversation, he's like, well, when you guys get in, we'll meet for a beer, you know? And we're like, holy shit, we can meet people around the world just with sort of this commonality of just nudism, right? And we did. We flew into Reykjavik, met him, talked for like two or three hours and just kind of found out. Um, We actually kind of had a perception that he'd be some like old 60-year-old white guy. with he doesn't show his face. He doesn't show his face or anything. And turns out he was um, was actually very close to our age. Um, Really nice guy. uh, Super genuine and everything. And um, give us some suggestions. And then by the end of that uh, conversation that night, he's like, you know, I'd love for you to meet my wife. um, And we really want to, would like to take you to our favorite secret hot springs. We're like, wow. Right. Okay. So we ended up meeting them about five days later. And they took us to this place. It was in the middle of a lava field. It's like, you know, not hot lava, of course. Um, <laughs> it's like there's hot springs coming up. Um, there was right on the edge of the ocean. This is the middle of winter, too. So it's literally freezing, but it's sunny out. And we meet his wife for the first time. And we actually just hung out, right? For probably like six hours. Six hours in hot sitting springs, in these hot springs eating, in the middle of drinking, Iceland. I know. Chatting. And we're, just, and we're just dumbfounded, just like how we were able to connect with people. Uh, such genuine, nice, um, cool people so quickly and easily. And we realize is because through more through nudism, less about lifestyle that because we were so open, because we had lowered these barriers and when, and when you're meeting people naked for the first time, especially without sort of an attitude or an expectation around sex, it makes it very different, right? Because you can really sort of talk about anything. 
in your life and nobody's, you don't feel judged, right? You feel welcomed. You feel that people are genuinely interested in who you are because, you know, as they say in, in nudism, when you're naked, there's no labels, right? There's no levels. There's no status. Yeah. And so you have no idea who you're talking to, but because you're being so vulnerable and being naked around other people, um, you kind of get to know, I think more of the true people themselves in. So we never felt like we were trying to impress them or anything. It was just really good, genuine conversation about travel and um, the world and, and them being Icelandic and us being Americans, just different perspective on things. So that really mm-hmm. snowballed. And the tie into that was that, um, Alice had posted some pictures. We were, we took off to some remote area and she was naked standing on a rock in front of a waterfall kind of thing. And we got a, uh, a comment from fight pouring marriages and they said, well, we're going to go to Iceland this summer. And we're like, got any tips? And we're like, sure. And so we started the conversation that way. And so who knew just based on one picture that we posted and one comment and just the way that we interacted through Instagram, we became online friends and then became friends in real life. So, yeah. yeah. And it's all right. And I think what you touched on really early on was the, the whole point of that was you had these conversations with people who wanted to get to know you. And the reason that they were talking to you wasn't so they could have sex with you. And therefore they didn't become disinterested quickly, right? It wasn't like, oh, well, you're not hot enough. So we're, we don't really want to talk to you and get to know you because sex isn't an option. And with, with these connections, it was, we want to get to know you and become friends. And then maybe sex becomes an option, but maybe it doesn't. It's, right. It was sort yeah. of in, inverting mm-hmm. the process. I mean, I, as amongst the people that we've met, we most often sex never occurs and it stays as friendship. There have been cases where things have happened with some people that we have met. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time it might be a lot of like just sexy situations even, mm-hmm. um, but not necessarily cross play, but everyone's comfortable enough, at least in their own relationships and in their own bodies where you can be in sexy situations together and not necessarily even have to have sex with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we just seem to resonate more with those kinds yeah. of environments. Yeah. That, it's just kind of how it's evolved, right? It started with them and then we met other people and then we started to sort of open the group up to a few more people we connected with. So another couple in Denver um, who make adult films and we're like, they're interested in us. You know, it was really, really fascinating. I mean, um, but I think it was more on the, like the personal connection happened first. Right. Yeah. And so as that grew, we realized that it became more of a community. And because we started out without the assumption of sex, but instead having um, a safe space for everybody and specifically women too, as, as um, creating a, a safe space for women is um, one of the most rewarding things when being in relationships because it allows them to be free and not feel like, you know, as the expression goes, thinking that every guy in the room wants to fuck you, right? Not having that sense makes you feel just more relaxed and and more open and free. And to be able to share that among friends is really rewarding now because we have a a core group of friends now with, we call it 10, 12 of us, who we feel 100% comfortable with. We would, in a sense, trust our emotional lives with. And that has really been, I think, the biggest, um, I I keep saying reward, but it's true. It's, we're so grateful and that, we've been able to evolve it this way and do it in on our own terms too. Right. It's not forced. It wasn't like we showed up an event and we all became friends. This has been over time where we, we 
went at a pace where everybody was comfortable. And I think even as adults, it's really hard to make new friends because generally your friend circle comes from coworkers mm-hmm. or people that you went to school with. And so to be adults coming from two different even parts of the country in a different city that you've never lived in before, making new adult friendships is just really even something amazing in itself because that is not a it's a difficult, it's not an easy feat. Yeah. yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. And I know people, it's not very good for podcast audience, but I've been nodding like a bobblehead over here for like yeah. the last 25 so, minutes. So so. <laughs> and yeah, everything you two are saying is just, it's so, it's so up our alley and so mm-hmm. true. And that whole, the whole piece about, you know, making friends and it's, and it's, it's really hard. You, like you said, you have friends maybe from school that's, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, and you're not the same person you were then. And maybe they're not the same people they were then, but you like, it's not that you're not their friend, but like, it's almost like you can't find new friends because everybody's already found their friends. And you're like, well, I can't be their friend. They've already got their friends because they're obviously they're in their thirties or forties. They've got all their friends they need. And when you start really digging into it, you realize that like, that's not, that's not how the world works. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because it really rewrites what friendships mean too. So for me, there's a core group of this core group of people that, uh, um, I love dearly every single one of them but it's different than the relationships that I've had for 30 years. But, and it's not, uh, and it doesn't diminish the relationships that I already had, you know, for 30 years. It's just provided me a way to connect with people that I never really realized that I could. And it's, it's been amazingly fun. It's been really, really fun. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious, kind of like what, you, you've explained your whole dynamic, I guess, the last four years. Where do you consider yourself now? And like, where do you want to go with your relationship? Currently, we're at a place where we have enough experience and trust that we're kind of, he's allowed to do as he sees fit for him without permission. And I'm allowed to do what I see fit for me without permission. Um, there's not really... I don't see myself at the moment as taking on necessarily any kind of poly type role or anything like that. Um, but we don't have any rules or guidelines or category that we feel we fit into. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we don't see ourselves as necessarily poly, but we have a lot of very good relationships. I guess in some other ways you could call it poly. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we like the idea of going to lifestyle events and being around, um, things like that. And cause this, there's a lot of fun. Um, but we don't really seek that out. We don't, you know, have our calendar full of, well, nobody has a calendar full of things right now, but, um, but it's, it's kind of somewhere in the middle, you know, yeah. where we're just looking to make nice connections, genuine connections with people and seeking out those kind of individuals. And cause once you realize that people are, uh, well, again, seeking the genuine people, you know, they're good with themselves. You, you can sense it. You can sense that if they're good with themselves and then they're also very good with their partners, it's much easier to sort of fold into their, the same sort of group and dynamic. Um, and then you immediately also see the opposite where if you see somebody who's struggling emotionally, um, or you see a couple who's struggling emotionally, you, the red flags, you know, fly a lot easier too. And we know to sort of back off from that too. Um, 
So it's, um, so for us, I think that's why we're trying not to put too much of a label on it of where we are, where we're at. It's more that we, through the first couple of years, it really did evolve from mean, you know, having never skinny dip to the point of uh, a very distinct moment where, um, I hit compersion, you know, and for me, that was like an amazing moment when that happened. And it was an amazing (laughs) moment for me too. Yeah. So, so the story is, yeah, I was going to say, let's hear it And really quick. I just wanted, before you do that, I just wanted to say, like, I think what, what the way you described it is perfect. And one of the things that we have really been trying to move away from here on the show is like getting rid of the labels because they're sometimes they're helpful, right? Sometimes they're a really good starting point, but really they're just a good starting point for a conversation. And and what and then that leads us to like tell us what it actually looks like and you two have described that so perfectly and yeah it doesn't fit into any box and i think that's i mean that's something that we love about it and mm-hmm. we're just yeah we're excited to hear more and about it, could, it it could change tomorrow well, i mean mm-hmm. exactly and that's label, it can change at whatever moment you need it to change in one direction or another yeah exactly and that's hard even if the label is you know descriptive not prescriptive or however they like people like to say that like if you're like we're swingers we're swingers we're swingers and then all of a sudden one of you starts to develop feelings you'd be like well i can't do that we're swingers right but you know even if you actually can do that it's hard it's hard to break out of a label that you've given yourself even if it's kind of arbitrary right right yeah and when we talk to other people whether they are in the lifestyle or not or or poly or not it's um it's much easier to not go that route to try to find Mm -hmm. that connection and commonality like oh you're lifestyle people so we'll do lifestyle things you know let's go meet for a drink and maybe go on a date kind of stuff and it it just never feels right to us you know to go that route right so compersion compersion thank you (laughs) good job keeping that to that story (laughs) we had mentioned that we had met another uh, couple through instagram uh those who uh make adult films in and they're based out of denver and they had invited us out for a weekend just to go hang out, you know, and we had, we'd met them before, Once before. um, actually twice. Cause we did the photo shoot time. But anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, a couple of times we met before and it was a, a weekend full of just random things. So one, one part of it was that they were going to do a photo shoot for some of their, um, their some, of their, some of their talents, some of their stars. Another was just going to like a, like a dance r- party, dance party, rave sort of thing going on. And, uh, so that the, the day of the photo shoot, um, it was really, really cool because they had, um, a few of their actors there doing really cool stuff with, they had an artist that was also, um, providing some really interesting backdrops and, and, um, colors to throw a photo shoot. Um, it's called liquid light. So it has this, um, like an, it's an overhead projector literally with different colored oils and lights that put some really neat background and colors on things. And, and it was funny cause as soon as, um, uh, we walk into the, the house. Um, I see this artist and I look over at Alice and I go, Oh, you're going to want to fuck him. Right. And she's like, yes. <laughs> and so the whole kind of like feeling of that would kind of, it wasn't like forcing on him, but we really felt very comfortable and expressing any sort of flirtiness and to any degree of flirtiness with that, because you know, the, the people that were there and, and that was already great. And I had even told them, even at the end of the weekend, I said, I, I, I really appreciated this other couple because I really felt like they created a safe space to be flirty at any degree that you wanted to. 
And that helped us in our relationship, in our connection, to also feel confident that we were in safe hands too. So not only was it a safe space for Alice to express herself, it was even for myself too to to feel confident that there's other people looking out for each other too. And with that, the day kind of evolved. And and by the end of the evening, um, there was three guys, including myself, and just Alice. And um, and so things got a little more friendly. And suddenly, she was um, she was riding on top of the artist, and uh, and me and the other the other guy were kind of like watching. We're like, hmm, this is interesting. This is this is going somewhere, right? And all of a sudden, Alice is just you can just see a big orgasm happening. It's just building and building and building. It's like a tsunami. And I I lean over to the other guy. I'm like, oh, she's gonna have a good one. Watch this, right? And she has like this massive orgasm. I mean, just like whoa it's like oh whoa she just keeps going and going and uh and finally she's done and she like collapses and falls off it was literally like off like riding off the horse right and she just collapses like right, falls to the side and and she's got a big grin on her face and then um somehow she musters some energy and then she gets with the other guy and he happens to have uh quite a large penis um he's, uh you know i'm, I'm an average size guy but um, he was not average size, not average size. No. And so, so that happens. And, and, and it was just like really cool though. It wasn't a moment where I was jealous. There wasn't a moment where I was scared. I didn't have any sort of, I didn't feel inadequate in any sort of way. I thought it was just really, really cool that everybody was showing Alice attention and she was getting the attention that she wanted. And the fact that it was the whole day had been I guess you could say very emotionally safe and exciting and fun with uh, the photo shoots and everything. But then to see it sort of culminate to this point, and I could just see it on her face, how happy and how satisfied and how gratified she was through the whole experience. And me, that was my moment of conversion where I was really just super happy for her. And she got to experience this and she got to, um, uh, in a sense, experience all the dicks, you know? expression with us yeah yeah all the dicks she had all the dicks <laughs> she puts her hand like waves across the whole room i had <laughs> which she did um, but that was a really cool moment and that i think changed a lot for us too that threw a lot of confidence into what we had built and where we went and how we went about it and that we had found people that we felt again emotionally safe with um mm-hmm. it's actually safe with right and of course, they're in the industry, so everybody's practicing safe things. Nobody's, you know, there's very um, lots uh, of consent, lots of consent, uh, awareness, yeah, and protection, of course, too. But just in a sense of, um, it's just like the right way to do it. It was just very mature. It was very uh, respectful, and that I think made it even better, you know. And then since that moment, you know, we, I do bring up that she's uh she's had all the dicks i haven't had i haven't had all the vaginas uh but she's had all the dicks so you know, someday maybe i'll have all the dick i'll, I'll have all the vaginas with hey, <laughs> <if> you want <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah. well thank you so much for sharing that story it's yeah. super fun and i think it's- the thing that like stands out to me is like you know probably and i'm just gonna go out and assume this that like the reason that that honestly that Alice was able to have those experiences was because she felt as safe as she did throughout, you know, the day and the weekend, like the ability to let your guard down and feel that good in front of other people. Like that's a very vulnerable thing to do. Mm -hmm. And being able to do that, like comes from 
that level of safety and security that you can let that that guard down. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's just kind of just reinforcing like how important it is to be able to be in those safe spaces and and the level of pleasure that you can get when you're there because you're not worried about everything else that that could go wrong in a scary situation like that. Yeah. And I think also too, like one of the things we talked about earlier before we started to play with other people is actually developing a way to communicate when we didn't feel safe or we mm-hmm. felt uncomfortable. And so Alice had to come up with a pretty ingenious thing of where she would give me a signal or we would uh, give each other a signal, a nonverbal, a cue. nonverbal cue that if like, for example, if I wasn't comfortable with what was happening with her, I would do this for her. And, um, it was just a, it was a little tug on our ear. Right. Um, so that way I wouldn't disrupt the whole moment for everybody and make it, um, you know, kind of a bad moment instead of more like it would allow her to sort of say, excuse me, you know, I'm going to take off for just a moment and things like that. We haven't had to use it yet. Um, fortunately, but, uh, but it was, I think it was really good too, because it gave us a the confidence then and the mindfulness to have a way that we can get out too without it making each other feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's super important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you talked a little bit about the compersion thing, but I'm curious, are, what are some ways that both of you have seen each other grow through exploring this different relationship dynamic? Um, I think the, uh, being able to talk about, um, how we are attracted to other people and what that attraction is and what we what might want to do, uh, with other people, um, is makes our conversations very, very different, right. In a sense of we can go to bed at night and talk about, Oh yeah. You know, that, um, that guy that you were talking to, are you, are you attracted to him? Are you interested in him? And she's like, meh, meh, you know, it's okay. But the fact that I can approach her about that and, and be conscious of that and make her feel comfortable with that, I think is tremendous to support her to pursue things and, and vice versa. You know, it seems like the mundane life things are the more difficult things to talk about and, yeah. and to sort out. Yeah. <laughs> like this just feels so much easier than, you know, the conflicts of, children and schools and you know like those things things seem to be the more difficult parts of life yeah i know (laughs) for sure for sure how about how about you alice um i think it's been amazing to watch sam come into this with such confidence and i mean it's for the most part been a pretty smooth ride as far as any kind of jealousy and he's very thoughtful and very considerate and takes a lot of time into the words that he wants to say and how situations should be handled where I'm more of like, let's just go. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, we'll just show up. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> kind of person. Sometimes. Yeah. Like we had a, uh, early on, we had a couple of things that, uh, taught us some lessons. Like one, um, I was working overseas for a while. So I was gone for a month at a time or two and some, personal things happened with Alice that were really rough. And we had been at the point where we hadn't gone solo, right? We hadn't done anything mm-hmm. with everything that we had, in, including desire and our first swap and in, in desire. We, you know, we did all that together, you know, and kind of we're step-by-step and side-by-side when we did that. But then when I was working overseas, you know, there was a moment where she's like, you know, I just need to get laid. I just need to get fucked. Um, and inside I'm like, Oh man, this is really, really rough for me. Cause I was one, I was away Two, I felt bad that I couldn't support her three. 
you know, I had no idea what was going to happen. Right. But I gave her the green light. I just kind of sucked it up. And as we all try to do and be mindful, it's like, we have to accept that we're going to have feelings afterward, whether it's jealousy, fear, the, all the normal things. Um, so I accepted that was going to happen, but I told her, go ahead, you know, do what you need to do. Um, I'll, I'll kind of bow out and you, you decide what you, what's best for you. And that was like my first real test of that. And so they, um, she met up with the guy and she, she told me afterward and she goes, okay, well then guess you felt better. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think our biggest takeaway from my solo play was that we learned about aftercare and before we hadn't really discussed aftercare and what that would look like for us and what we would need. So our biggest lesson through that um, was like, oh, we need to figure out how we want to handle things after the situation. Like, what kind of care am I going to want? What kind of care are you going to want? Mm-hmm. And so that was, we, yeah. we learned a big lesson through, oh, through that. Yeah. Really big lesson. Oh, and and how, how do you two, or how did you and how do you now reconnect from a situation like that where you're maybe... Uh, half a world apart, mm-hmm. or even if it's, uh, you know, a hundred miles apart, you're one of you goes out and has an experience and you come home and, and the other person is not there. And so you have to find a way to reconnect without being physically together. Mm-hmm. We haven't had to do that so much. And that is really difficult. Um, cause the time we had to, especially when he was overseas, it's you know, the time of day where he gets to talk and the time of day where I get to talk made it really difficult. And I had just stress of other things going on. So I wasn't compassionate enough and empathetic enough to really hearing, you know, his feelings and how he felt to be able to give the proper kind of feedback and care. Um, So I think it's just trying to make sure that you can make a time where you can really just like listen. So the other person can feel like they're heard mm-hmm. um, because you can't physically do anything. I mean, physically when we can come back together after a moment, it's much easier to have the aftercare that you want because you can physically reconnect with each other. And yeah. it makes a huge difference from just being able to attempt to, to verbally reconnect. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really hard. Um, we actually had two uh, times that that happened where I was overseas and she had a, 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 a solo. Um, and I struggled, I struggled a lot. And, and it wasn't so much that, um, I was like, it was rage or jealousy. It was more that, that I couldn't be there to sort of close it out. Right. In a sense of, um, you know, I was sure I had the, again, the deep anxiety and the fear that, that comes with that of, of, you know, um, wow. She's, some other guy that I don't know. And she, um, in another case, they, in a sense, just first met, um, just had sex with him. And funny enough, I mean, she felt great afterwards. She was, she was really missing me after she had sex with him because she's like, Oh, she had a great experience. She had a lot of fun. I'm one where it's like, when I'm with somebody else, it just makes me want to be with him more afterwards. Yeah. Like I just want to come and back and I just want to see you and I just want to share it with you. And I just want to like, I feel closer. Right. 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 And then for me, I'm sitting there, you know, about to walk into work with like this, <laughs> this heavy weight on my mind and trying to resolve all this stuff. And, um, uh, it was a struggle. And, and so sort of tying that back to aftercare, we realized that, you know, we, there's a lot of things that we, we should have talked about before 
because we knew it was a possibility going into the situation that she might be sleeping with somebody else. And, um, but we didn't talk about how we wanted to um, treat each other afterward. And that's where we really learned about aftercare. Aftercare isn't just for her or just for me. It's for both of us. Like how, how does she want to be treated too as well? How does she want me to react to her, the fact that she's had sex with somebody else? And especially early on in our, um, in our lives of being non-monogamous, you know, that's where we learned. And this is, this is long before we, before I felt compersion for her and being with other people. So, you know, I mean, I don't regret it. I don't regret any of that one bit. And we knew that I was learning lessons and I never felt like our relationship was in danger. It was just the tremendous amount of stress and anxiety was just something I had not experienced before. And, and trying to work through that, um, being on my own, was, it was just tough. It was just time. And just, you know, it took well, a good day or two, you know, to kind of get through it. So I don't really have any magic, you know, remedies to how to, get yourself down from that, um, that level of, of stress. But, um, but the advice that we do give people is, is really just then planning for aftercare. Talk about what you need after the fact and then execute on that and do it, you know, call each other, say these words that you need, say whatever the other person has asked you to do. And I think everybody then feels a little bit better about that. Everybody's still handling the situation the same way. It didn't change us. Right. And that's, I think the important part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important to to hear that that side of it as well. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious, kind of how how out to other people in your life are you about your relationship dynamic? Well, it's okay. <laughs> we, we'll it's a maybe a two or three parter, but funny story. Um, we uh, we weren't going to re- record the podcast with you at our house because uh, the kids are home. The kids are home, so we just, we're not out to the kids. We're not out to the kids. That's one. <laughs> one. Second. Um, we were going to go to my sister's house, you know, and just do it at their house. And, um, but I'm not really out to them either, you know? Um, and, um, so then I, I sent them a text message that I'm like, Hey, can we, um, come by your house and maybe do the, the podcast in your house? And they're like, sure. And then, and then my sister's wife goes, Oh, uh, what's the podcast about? <laughs> and I said, Oh, it's called, uh, normalizing non-monogamy. And then it's like crickets on the other end from like the text. And like, it's like, Oh, I guess I just sort of outed ourselves to my sisters. Um, even though, you know, it's not a surprise. It was just kind of funny. It's like, that's the first time I've actually mentioned that, that we're non-monogamous to them. Um, but the funny part of the story is that, and it's, it's, um, a long history kind of go way back. Um, my sister, she actually came out to me as being lesbian, um, long time ago. And I was the first person in the family that she came out to. And so that was kind of a, it's kind of a funny moment now that in a sense, I've kind of come out, um, as non-monogamous, but to my sister. Um, but I imagine though, we were kind of joking, like, I wonder if we, back then, if we actually had phones and we could text that she would have just texted me that, that she was a lesbian, like, Hey, uh, Sam. Hey Sam, um, uh, I'm a lesbian. So, uh, just, you know, when you meet, uh, when you meet my partner, don't be surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Everything's so, easier over text. That's yeah. what I exactly. And as far as my side, um, my sister knows about the nudism part. I have an aunt who knows about the non-monogamy part. Other than that, my family, I grew up in a very strict grandpa started a church kind of family. So not having those conversations. I'm very lucky my circle of friends, um, they all know. So within my circle of friends, I don't need to censor myself or, or any, 
or any of that. Oh, yeah. 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 That's really good to hear. And I'm curious. So did you have more conversations with your sister and not just that text, like crickets on the text message? Oh no. Yeah. I, I sent a text back like, Oh, and sorry that I kind of gave you that news, um, through a text. Um, but I figured I was going to be talking to people that I've never talked to before. So I might as well let you know too, that <laughs> what it's going to be about. And then responded back like, no worries, no surprises. Have a great time. You know, <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. So it's not surprising actually. I I've, recently found out a lot more about their lives too. So, you know, it's actually really good. So it's, but it's such a like interesting thing. Like, you know, it, we're sort of conditioned to try to shield our loved ones sometimes, right? It's a natural reaction to not worry them or, or not shock them or not surprise them. Right. But in the end, you realize that most people are extremely compassionate and it's really, they're more hurt when you don't tell them or, or you've hid things from them versus just being open. So, it's, it's been teaching me this whole way, just how to be more honest with myself. And it's made me feel so much better about myself and more confident. I mean, I'm absolutely the most confident that I've ever been in my entire life now. And, and I feel like I'm in really the best place I've ever been. Um, so one, it's the relationship two, the friends that we've met and three, just the kind of community we've built and COVID in a way has kind of contributed to that because we've kept it very small. You know, we've kept it to, to say three or four couples max. And it's not even that we're playing with them, but we always have like a really good, fun, sexy time with them. Um, and I think if I'm not sure if it's going to go in the show notes or anything, but we can put their Instagram accounts out there. If people are just kind of curious to see and poke around and take a look because they're all, you know, it's Instagram, so it's open. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they're, if they're okay with it being out there and, and, and same for you guys. And then that kind of leads into a question of, for anybody who does struggle, like, cause you know, your experience of desire is not, not uncommon. You show up and you're there in the middle of the week and everybody's already found their friends. And this is, you know, this is maybe even a, a, a metaphor for what I kind of talked about in life where you're like, well, everybody has their friends. Nobody right. wants to be my friend. So right. I'm just going to hang out by myself over here. But that, you know, that's not an uncommon experience. And it's the same if you go to just a lifestyle club, sometimes like you get there and this is why why I always want to be one of the first ones there because then it doesn't give anybody time to make friends before uh, we show up. <laughs> but like it's it's hard. It's yeah. hard to break into that. And it sounds like you two found a really great, healthy way to do it through Instagram. And you talked a little bit about it, but do you have any you know like tips or recommendations for somebody who struggles in the desire and the clubs and the these traditional mm-hmm. settings, but maybe could utilize a platform like Instagram or something. Yeah. A little bit of irony. There's, there's been some rumors lately that Instagram is actually going to shut down a lot of accounts that even have just, um, I guess you can call it safe nudity or it's just, yeah. you know, a, a bunch bunch of, yeah, just yeah. Bunch shots only. Um, it hasn't happened. It was supposed to be today, but who knows? Um, but, uh, I'd say that the reason why we connect with people, um, through Instagram is because people tend to show, a different side of themselves, especially if they're staying mostly anonymous or if they're comfortable enough, they, they, they'll show their face or they'll use their real names, but you know, it's more of a tease and it's a way to accentuate certain things that you like about yourself, right? Different than like a Cassidy or SDC where, I mean, frankly, a lot of it's just, you know, homemade porn out there. And, and for us that it just turns us off, you know, we're not, that, that's not the only thing we're interested in. We're interested in people. We're interested mm-hmm. in people who are, are comfortable and, and confident and 
and especially um, women who own their sexuality. And that really comes through. And that's really just been an interesting point that all the friends that we've met and connected with, um, all the women in these couples really own their sexuality. So, which also means that they're partnered and all male partners um, support them. So that dynamic for us really works where the women can be flirty. They can be open. The men are comfortable enough with their partner to allow that flirtiness to happen. Um, but it doesn't have to always turn into sexy, like full sex. You know, there's people who have different types of boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but everybody accepts it and it really makes it fun and, and close. So anybody who's looking to do that, if you do start a page, you know, I would certainly say just accentuate the things that you like. There's, there's, it's funny just seeing it because it's been almost four years now, but, um, there's accounts that are purely just, you know, sassy shots of somebody, uh, in lingerie and it's just their bedroom. And that's just all it is. It's just them having kind of doing a little bit of like voyeurism type of thing. And there's other people on the other extreme where they're on top of, you know, uh, mountaintops naked or they're diving into icy waters naked and things like that. Um, um, that sort of sense of adventure. But I think that still shows like the kind of people that they are, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not to say one's better than the other. It's just that if you have an interest in somebody who's, you know, riding a, uh, a motorcycle in the desert naked, it's like, Oh, they look like a lot of fun. Right. I want to get to know them. And that's the kind of people we kind of end up connecting with just because, and it's not to say that we're riding, I mean, bicycles. Yeah. Yeah. But oh yeah, naked bicycle riding in the middle of the desert. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I, I think it's, it, if you have interest in that, just say hello to people and be genuine through the conversations, you know, 99, well, not 90, just 90% of it is, you know, not, those people who are making comments on Instagram, it's people around, you got to remember it's around the world. Um, that's okay. You know, we don't block them. We don't, uh, we don't reject them. It's just, you sort of learn really quickly like, who are the genuine couples are just by seeing the type of pictures they post and yeah. whether, they are, whether it's a couple or whether it's just a, a, a single female. But I think as far as being out at an, like a desire or a temptation or on any, a lifestyle cruise, any of that, in order to feel comfortable, I said, one, get to know your bartender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. don't know your drink, loosen you up a little bit. But most people who are there, I think, would at least be welcoming to a conversation. And I know it's very difficult for me to start a conversation. Once conversation is started, I will I will jump in. I will be, you know, you yeah, I'm not an I'm not a great initiator but I'm a great participator. Yeah. <laughs> so it's difficult for me to start things somewhere like that. So I think you just kind of have to just remember that people are going to be nice. They're there because they are also like to be in an open, non-judgmental type of environment. Mm-hmm. And so just try to have a conversation and just know mm-hmm. if it doesn't go anywhere that it's just likely not you or anything personal on, on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's great. Yeah, no, that's some really great tips, I think. And fingers crossed that Instagram doesn't take those accounts down. I know. Yeah. I'm playing it safe right now. I know. Yeah. People are going to slow down on the posting and stuff like that. Lots of censorship. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and too, like, you know, you said there's, you know, you probably get a lot of comments on pictures and that type of thing, but it's it's easy in that environment to kind of, the the cream rises to the top pretty quickly. If you're like, 
if you're one of the people who like wants to meet other people, right? If somebody comments on your picture and is like genuinely like, oh, that's a beautiful location. looks like so much fun. We like, that's a way different than be like, oh, she's a hot piece of ass. Like those comments are like really set you apart versus, you know, the, just the, the standard, I don't know. Fire. Fire. Yeah. 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 I I also have one other, one other question and, and maybe, geared towards Alice and, and kind of actually something that I believe you and fight boy marriages had posted something back a couple months ago where you were talking about how creating the safe space for women is so critical. And I wanted to just maybe from your perspective, Alice, like what is it about the space that you find safe and how, how is that space created either by, by Sam and, uh, Clayton or just whoever happens to be in that space? I think a good part of it is anyone who gets invited into our circle or invited to events has generally been vetted fairly well or comes from a recommendation of already meeting someone. Um, so it's often somewhat selective, not in like a snobby kind of way, but just that we need to know that you're real and you're authentic and we feel that you're going to trust the consideration of everyone who's going to be involved. And then as Sam had mentioned, all of the women own their sexuality. And so we're all fairly strong personalities in that sense. And knowing that we feel confident enough to handle our own situations and I know at least when we host any kind of events, I kind of take on more of a motherly role of just making sure that everything's okay and everything is right and keeping an eye out for things. And if that means I have to stay sober for the night, then, you know, I stay sober to be able to just make sure that things are going smoothly. And we both just, you know, make sure that we're aware of the situation and things that are going on. Yeah. So like leading up to that, uh, posts was, which was, it was a great post, by the way, it, it really hit home with us because, um, toward the end of that weekend in Vegas with them, um, that's where it came from. We had gotten together and, um, at the end of it, we just sort of realized that the women were just kick-ass women that, you know, by letting, uh, them sort of pursue and flirt and do what they want. Um, it was actually quite intimidating to people who weren't part of our group, you know, so say out by the pool, just socializing and flirting. And it was quite frankly, it was intimidating to a lot of guys to sort of see a woman that strong and also over there pointing, Oh, that's my boyfriend right there. Right. And sort of that surprise of like, what? Like, but then their curiosity peaked based on like, wait, so this is your, this is your boyfriend. And I'm sitting here flirting with you and talking about possibly about sex. And like, yeah, yeah. So that, uh, environment and knowing that people can, um, that are the people who are, we are with can, I say, I don't want to say roam free. That's not a very good way to say it. Like they, they can just sort of pursue, um, situations as they want. It allows, like, for example, allows Alice to choose what she wants to do, you know, and she doesn't feel pressure from me or knowing if I'm looking over her shoulder. And it was really interesting because there was a, um, a couple of guys that, um, that some of the, uh, women had met and had, we'd gone back to the room and we were just socializing in the room. And one of them really took an interest to the whole, um, culture and, and, 
environment that we had created. And the other one got really intimidated by it. And he actually just had to leave. It was really interesting because in call it the vanilla world, you know, it's very attractive guy, you know, muscular fit, um, came off as very like wealthy and well to do. Right. Um, and once he ran into one of our friends who had basically, you know, rejected all his really bad pickup lines, you know, during the night, um, in a sense, what did she say? She said, uh, oh, is, that, she, is that the best you got? Oh, yeah, is that the best you got? And he's just kind of had this look on his face of just like horror and shock, you know, that he was getting rejected and, and he actually couldn't take it and he left, you know? And in a sense, we were kind of proud at that moment too, to realize that, you know, um, that these women, it's so much more amazing and sexy to see that kind of confidence and that kind of environment to, um, be so, what's the right way to say it? it's, it's not traditional. It's not threatening. It's, um, it's a way to, um, just be free to be free. Yeah. And, and the, so now this is like the, again, this is kind of compersion part two, right. Where it's, it's beyond just me feeling, um, good about Alice. It's like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm going to be her wing woman now. Right. And which I did, I ended up being her wing woman that night talking to the, the guy she ended up hooking up with. And, and he just had this whole fascination about our relationship and about, um, how did it get to that point? And wow. you like, are, it was like, is this real that I'm talking like, this is your girlfriend and, and you're okay with this happening. It's like, yeah, it's like, but look, you, you just have to talk to her and just be real. And she's going to be much more attracted to you that way. And, and interested in having sex with you because she wants that kind of connection. She doesn't care about the stupid one-liners or good conversation. Can you can get into my pants? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it did. And it, I think it was just a, a mind blowing experience for the guy. Cause by the end of the night, you know, after, um, they had sex and it came, came back and he was just saying goodbye. His face was just sort of different. He just had like this half puzzled, half like satisfied look. But, um, but we were like, we just kind of giggled about the whole thing. It was just really, really funny. Just, you know, taking like two very <laughs> traditional, um, I guess vanilla situations, right. And kind of turning it on its head and, that was a lot of fun. And we just sort of realized that that's, that was really, really cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for sharing that. Yeah, no, it's super fun. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, are there any other, like anything like kind of getting towards wrapping up here? Like, is there anything that we haven't talked about that either of you really wanted to maybe share or say out into the podcast world or the world in general? Well, I think we had like the one blooper. Oh yeah, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to take that away from that's, you. Go for that's it. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> is, is if you had any bloopers? Yeah, we have a very distinct one in mind. Yes, from fairly from within our first year. Yeah, yeah. So we met at a, at a Christmas party, as we'd mentioned, right? So we go and, back to that Christmas party the next year. And yeah, you're later. <laughs> we had gone through quite a bit from me, you know, baby stepping it through skinny dipping to. Um, you know, nude beach to Ibiza and then through desire. Right. And, and so by the end of that, we're like, man, we're on fire. Right. We're just like, wow. Let's our trajectory go. is just like, you know, it's a rocket ship. We had started our, our Instagram account and we had gotten a couple thousand followers by then. So this whole momentum of stuff and really fun stuff was happening to us. So we go back super confident to this Christmas party and we were talking to uh, one of those guys who had come back to the, another person who had met before and Alice had met him at the, the previous year as part of the same year that we met. 
and had a little bit of conversation about poly and alternative uh, relationships and stuff, but nothing too deep, you know, but it was funny. So then, you know, fast forward a year later, and he didn't know that we were together, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had brought his girlfriend. So we just started going right into the story because it was like, hey, look what's happened in the year. You know, he talked about all this really interesting stuff. And, and like, look at our Instagram account. Look at these pictures, right? Here's Alex, like, naked on a beach kind of stuff. And naked in front of the Eiffel Tower. Well, not naked. Not naked. But it was a butt shot. But yeah. Anyway. Um, and she goes, oh, my goodness. That is just so appalling. How could anybody do that? And she had, like, this look of horror on her face, right? And we kind of looked at her and was like, seems like a little bit of overreaction, but okay. You know, we just went with it. And then she kind of just, you know. Red flag number one. Yeah, that's red flag number one. And so she kind of stomped off and we didn't really talk, you know, and it was just sort of a weird situation. Like, yeah, it's a party. It happens. We don't care. We were super confident. And so we just kind of carried on about our night. And then maybe about an hour and a half later, uh, the guy uh, comes back and he kind of whispers to me and goes, okay, we're ready. I'm like, what? And it's like, we're ready. <laughs> and it's like, let's go upstairs. And I said, uh, okay. So I go grab Alice. I go, Alice, um, you know, he, he and his girlfriend want to go upstairs with us. And we're like, okay. You know, again, super confident. It's, it's toward the end of the evening of the Christmas party. So there's probably been a few bottles of wine that are in everybody's system. And then, so go upstairs and we take off. Our, we jump on this giant bed because we're staying in the house that the, how the, the party was at. And it's not, it wasn't, it was a vanilla party. This is like absolutely clear. Absolutely. vanilla party. Yeah. Extremely vanilla. And, but we go into the, their bedroom and take all our clothes and we're all, there's four naked people on the bed and we're starting to like commingle and everything. And all of a sudden she just like sits up like, um, just like freaks struck by lightning. Yeah. Out. And freaks out. Right. So and she's going off on how she should get paid for this. And that's how she paid her way through college and how, then she starts going off about how she hates his kids, but yet she wants a ring and she's just like ranting about all of this madness. And we just slide off the bed. What's even funnier is that she started this rant and, and yeah. my face is like about two inches from her vagina. <laughs> right. And I'm like down in between and all of a sudden she just sits up and I'm like, Oh, what I did, right? And we're just like, holy I mean, fuck. I, I'm like, okay, we're going to get dressed and we're going to go now. And we just like threw our and clothes she's on. she's just like still ranting and just like yelling yeah, like, at him. And we're just like screaming. tiptoeing out. And we're like, all right. So the, the scream is going on the whole time. We, we get our, all our clothes back on and we just kind of, I don't even make eye contact with either of them. We, we make ourselves, uh, we make it out of the, we go out the door. And then we see the host of the party and they're like, Hey, how you guys doing? How you doing? We're like, right? Oh, we're like, we gotta oh. go. I'm tucking in my shirt, you know, and like, we gotta go see you guys later. I'm like, Oh, are you going so soon? I'm like, yeah, we gotta yeah. get the fuck out of here. Right? So, <sighs> Oh my God. Anyway, wow. But in, in hindsight, we just kind of laughed because we went through the 19 red flags that we just ran. We just ran 19 red lights all yeah. through that. Just all these other <laughs> signs and the details. But, uh, but yeah, we learned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and luckily we've done a fairly better job vetting along the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it could have, it could have been a little worse. Like it could have gone, gone <laughs> further. I like, like at least yeah. you, got, you got out when you did. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to stick around and see how this, yeah. <laughs> how this plays out. Yep. No, no. That's smarter than us. I'm sure we would have stuck around. <laughs> yeah. We'd have been there till like four in the morning. Like, well, Hey, this, we could recover. Exactly. We could recover. <laughs> Our, that would be our, our first year selves. We would have we would have been there way too long. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The fact that you got out when you did, 
that's better than we did back mm-hmm. then. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I mean, everything's a learning experience, right? So It is. It and sure, we've sure learned a lot of lessons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to thank you both for coming on and just being as vulnerable and sharing everything you did. We really appreciate it. And just one more time, is there anything else you'd want to say before before we end the end of the episode? I don't think so. No. No. No, I well, I just I guess just sort of like kind of bring it all around. Um, the reason why we wanted to come on the podcast is that, you know, I mean, we, you have some great guests. We've had some these tremendous stories and we love hearing the stories on your podcast. And what the one thing that in one of the episodes um, that resonated the most with me, though, was um, a mention of really all we want in life is just to have great friends who we could just be naked around and just be ourselves and be open and free. And whatever happens, happens. And everybody's probably going to be OK with it is really, it's freeing, you know, it's probably the most freedom you can have with friends. Right. And the fact that we kind of built to that, um, and we've worked our way into this and also the friends that we have now. Um, and ironically, we just met, happened to meet through Instagram, but to me that it's kind of like the pinnacle of, of relationships and, and what we found, especially having been through divorces and been through, um, unsatisfying, un, um, you know, emotionally disconnected, relationships and, and living a long, um, living a long time with that. And then now to be able to rebuild it from the scratch, we're kind of really proud of really what we built. So, you know, I guess in a lot of ways it's, uh, it's all around a happy ending. For yeah. us. Not yeah. doing the things the way that you think society tells you, you have to do them. Right. Yeah. And letting go of all that conditioning and then realizing it's very rewarding. It's very gratifying. So, yeah, yeah. that's a great way to finish the, wrap it all up yeah. yeah yeah and i guess um do if you want to share the name of your instagram you can and, and we will put it in the show notes too for people if, if that's yeah it, we're currently it's the buns next door it's okay. all one word it's a private account right now um just because since instagram is going to be cracking down laying low but it's it's normally public um and we are um have a big enough following where we're able to put an 18 and over sensor on it to kind of do some filtration on that way mm-hmm. um so yeah yep the buns next door uh awesome. yeah and funny enough too because we actually had started a different account and that did get it shut, got shut down, down by instagram um this that was is, really sad actually this is like round three yeah but we end up connecting with the same people eventually anyway yeah. everybody's on their third or fourth account so <laughs> you gotta be creative with the names come up with different ones yeah yeah i know, I know. yeah start tracking the older ones i know <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, thank you again. As Emma said, it's been fantastic and my neck hurts from nodding. <laughs> so yeah, um, we appreciate everything and we're just really excited to get your story out there. So Great. yeah. Really appreciate you having us. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. It's thank a delight. You. And sorry we couldn't do it in person. It was supposed to be, but hey, yeah. damn, damn this COVID. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, have a wonderful night and we'll be in touch. Okay, okay great. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Thank you so much to Alice and Sam for reaching out and coming on this show and sharing all, everything that you did. And for just being such positive. Badass people. Amazing. Yeah. Like <laughs> just good vibes. Yes. Good vibes all around. So thank you for putting that out into the world. We love it. And thank you. 
A quick reminder, our Patreon Q&A for February is tonight, February 24th. If you happen to miss it, we'll have another one in March, so don't worry. And it will be recorded for, be for recorded. Patreon members. So if, if you you can still join, like there's still time. Time's ticking, but you got time. If um, you're listening to this on February 24th. <laughs> you could join, check it out. If it's not for you, well, you just, you don't, you don't have to stick around. You can cancel. Yes. We don't get offended. I mean, I get a little offended, but... <laughs> But you'll never know. If you want to join, follow the links in your little podcast player or go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button. While you're on our website, go to the Contact Us page and leave us a voicemail or write us an email. We'd love to hear from you. And again, thank you to Sam and Alice, and we will see you all in a week. Yes. Have Have a great week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.